Hi, I'm Marika and welcome to Money Chill Out. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading floors in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindset, investment habits and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. My guest today is Faria. She's French, has lived seven years in London, but a mix of Brexit, lockdown and husband's roots made her move to a simple place to live, Lisbon. It's in this city that we got in touch thanks to a common friend, but before we knew it, we met randomly when I visited the flat she was living in. Faria is a definition of cool. She knows the nice places, the nice brands, and always has recommendations for you which are great. She is super social, approachable, and you can really have a good laugh. She has lots of interests, and that's why I wanted to interview her. Her motivation and way of life is contagious. So, hi Fadia, how are you? How are you, Mayika? I'm very pleased to be here invited on your podcast. Yeah, I'm really happy. So thanks for your time. And I love the subject we're going to discuss today. So money and relationships. That's brilliant. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> It's a vast topic. So, so yeah, let's start. So before we go into like your money within your family, I'd like to start with how you are at ease with your own relationship with it. So in terms of money mindsets, do you speak about it with friends and family? Well, I come from a family where money has never been hidden a taboo subject. So it's something quite natural for me within my family circle. And I would say it's even valuable, you know, things for us, like in my family. Like I used to be told money can buy happiness, but it helps. <laughs> so I knew I wanted to be helped. <laughs> with friends, I would say it's different. It really depends on which person I'm talking to, you know. So you were working in London for a while and you were working for a brokerage company and then you decided to stop. So can you tell us a bit more about the story behind your choice and because you stopped, money wasn't too much in the decision? <laughs> no, on the contrary, money was a lot in this decision. <laughs> uh, quitting my job was a, a very tough decision because of that, actually. So, well, I have been in the industry for 11 years. So at the end, I was you know, in a comfortable job. I mean, my years, I was like, uh, you know, comfortable in doing what I was doing. And so I had a good quality of life, a growing family to take care of too. So it would have been easier for me to stay where I was and um, keeping on saving, investing my money instead of starting everything over from scratch in a country where I don't even speak the language. Well, I felt like I had my time in finance. So I love my job, Alan, so much in many years, but I really feel like I start to feel like I'm incomplete about staying in the finance for the next couple of years. 
And as we say, money can come by happiness. <laughs> so I think my husband was really supportive of this decision as well. So I've been lucky for that. And so we just sat down and started to put our financial data into an Excel file. And I said, like, OK, let's do it. <laughs> we check on our saving and for how long we could do it. So the money wasn't a big decision on this adventure. But the adventure spirit won over the comfort. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> yeah. So really more in terms of opportunities and wanting to try something like completely new. And yeah, so, so that was the reason behind it. Exactly. Exactly. I, I felt like after 11 years, I wanted to do something else. And I really didn't want it to feel stuck later on in this position. So I said, like, I have to move on and do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. And that's super courageous on top. So well done. So how do you live now? So you've moved to Portugal, as I said, in the intro. Mm -hmm. It's been, what, nearly six months? Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I know you're working on new plans. I'm not sure we can say now because I'm not sure it's signed, but basically you have lots of projects going on. But do you have any like source of revenues so far or you just use like what you've saved in your use in London in order to be able to live? Well, both of it. I mean, like we mainly live on our savings, but at some extent, we, we live as well from the revenue from our investment in financial instruments we've made when we used to get paid. <laughs> we have kind of savings and revenues. So all in all, yes, it's a bit of both. Okay, cool. Yes, we made the decision because we could afford it. Otherwise, I think I will spend like maybe a few years more in finance. <laughs> yeah, and out of curiosity, like how long do you think you can stay in that position? Did you calculate, I don't know, I can afford being one year without a salary or something longer or, or you haven't really thought about a number like this? Yeah, yeah, we did think this way. For us, it was more or less, more or less one year and a half, two. The thing is, I didn't know when I quit it that COVID would arrive and the pandemic will change our plans a little bit. So our business is took longer to take off. So yeah, it's a good way to get motivated and being successful quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and you always need to, I mean, you can't plan for everything. So I mean, this one was quite a big one, but yeah, hard to. Yeah, it was a big one. And unfortunately, we were thinking about like what could happen and how we will do in this case. And we know that in the worst case scenario, we still have like the possibility to sell. Like I have a, a flat in Paris, for example. Or I wish I wouldn't have to do that, but it can be one of the solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Cool. So if we go like to the more of the family aspect of the of the money. So you have a two-year-old girl mm -hmm. and you're so married. So I wanted to know under which law do you abide? Because it's quite different from one country to another. So I really want to know like what option you choose and more importantly, like why did you choose that option? We are both French, so we decided to go under French law for our uh, wedding contract. When we got married, my husband was a first-time entrepreneur at the time, so and I knew at some point I would be too. So it was clear for us, for both of us, that we would go with a separation of goods. I made some discussion with friends, lawyers, military friends, and you know it was clear for me, but I really wanted to have like the. Um, a good knowledge about like the different regime mm -hmm. and they all advised me to do so uh, separation of goods 
because it was the best deal for our couple, maybe as an entrepreneur. So it was kind of a, a protection for us. Yeah, so that your debts are basically not going to your family if there's any. It's like totally separate. Exactly. So if something happened with the business of my husband, they cannot go search me to revisit it, which is sometimes, you know, something you don't want to see or you don't want to You say, no, everything will be fine, but it can happen. And so it was a big deal for us. And knowing that he was already an entrepreneur and I wanted to be too. But it's funny because sometimes separation of uh, property can often be perceived as an egoist regime, you know, so like kind of don't put all your eggs in one basket, which is not the case. For me, it's like a protection. And even, for example, if you wanted to divorce, you can always put like in your wedding contract how you want to split your position. So I think you request a bit more of organization and when you have a new acquisition, how do you want to split in, in different contexts? So it's a bit of a, you know, communication to have with your husband. But for us, it was like pretty straightforward. Quick. And I'm asking is because it's, again, really different from one country to another. And I know it's really not a glamorous question. So apologies in advance. <laughs> <laughs> if something happens to like one of you heritage wise like will it go to your partner or like the surviving partner should I say or to your children in our case we wrote on our wedding contract after discussion that for each acquisition we will talk about it for now we made something clear simple I mean like it was position we had before the wedding goes to the children And after the wedding, we consider we both contributed to it. So we go to the partner, which at the end is almost the same, you know, <laughs> unless we divorce. But it was more about to protect our child for in case of one of us like die or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, not nice questions, but again, like super useful to think about. I think it's really important to do it as well, because like you never know what can happen, unfortunately. And we... We hear some stories sometimes and it's not, it's not you, you want to avoid that to your family as well to have to, to make the decision for you or your children. Yeah, especially at the worst time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. So in terms of your day-to-day -day now, so you said so some of your money is split because you're more like entrepreneurs and don't want the debt to be like passed through your family but in terms of budgeting so I was really surprised for years ago to know or to realize there's so many ways of doing either you can share everything you can contribute to a part you can split proportionally to what you earn and so on and so forth mm -hmm. so how is it working for you how do you manage your budget on your side o only talking about like the really day-to-day -day spending Well, uh, it has evolved over the years. I think as a couple evolved, <laughs> the money splitting evolved too. At the beginning of our relationship, my husband was almost living at my place, but I was like paying the mortgage. So, you know, we didn't think about it at the time. And then we moved to London and we started with an equal split. As the relationship evolved, we opened a joint account for all the household expenses. Mm -hmm. And I would say like now we've, we both make sure like the bank account is, gets enough money to cover our expenses. And it has become natural that the speed becomes proportional to our income. So there is no real pattern. I would say like it has evolved like... I don't know, like naturally to make things easier, I guess. But now our budget is quite easy. We spend our money on a day-to-day -day life as we are living on savings anyway now. So we, as we won't invest more until our business are 
can allow us. So we, for now, it's just like a day to day. So we don't have much discussion about investments now. <laughs> true, true. Other things to 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 think about. <laughs> and in terms of like the money within the couple, so sometimes money can bring tension for a huge variety of reasons. It can be because someone as an expensive hobby or someone as a way of spending which is different to the other one or maybe a lack of transparency and so on and so forth so is it something that is true for you or, or what do you have any advice there well I always have been flexible on this topic on my side I'm not a big spender funny wise it's my husband who pushes me to do more shopping for example <laughs> the world upside down <laughs> Well, we usually spend money on holidays, uh, experience we will share together. So we won't have this kind of fight or discussion on it. I think at this point, it's really important to make sure that like, you have the same point of view or value. So my advice would be to communicate as much as you can to raise tension, if any, to try to overcome it. <laughs> and I don't know, if you spend a lot of money in your hobby, maybe you can try to participate to the one of your partners or either financially or by sharing time with him or her. I don't know. It's not about finance, but it can be time as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's so personal and it depends on your background and education as well. I know like some people like to share everything. Some need their, their own space and privacy. So for me, it's more about like try to discuss the budget of the family and, and overcome with a monthly expenses budget and decide on how you want to split. And if you... If you save the rest for yourself and your hobby, or if you want to reinvest this money together, and I think it's it's a lot about communication. I guess it's the way we work together with my husband. Any teams to work, so. <laughs> so we've spoken about your relationship with money, then the vision you have for the family. And then more about the day-to-day -day spending. So now let's move to more like investment and long-term. So if I start with a few statistics for the moment, so there was a study made by UBS Investor Watch where it says more than half of the millennium women let their spouse handle long-term investments and important decisions, which are important financial projects, are handled by men in 69% of the cases. That is like huge number, especially for our generation so I always think there's a divide between like the older generation and our generation I'm always like a bit more optimistic but actually this is quite striking so my question would be like because there's no natural leader in your couple because the two of you have a kind of a background in finance how are investments working for you so who does what Well, we both come from a background in finance, but I would say like I always had a natural interest in real estate. So I took care of this part and I tried to invest in financial products and I felt less exciting about it than real estate. So I would say like naturally, I didn't invest most of my money in finance, also because interest rates are so low. They are, I think they are the lowest ever for ages now. So For me, it was a good way to leverage my investment on bigger amounts, whereas you cannot go to the bank and ask for a loan to invest on financial markets. However, my husband did work on, he's working on structured products, so he was naturally the leader on this topic. But we take all decisions together, so it's not I'm not interested in, it's just like it's more his knowledge, so we talk about it and we make decisions together. 
And this is a way we built, you know, our future is to share the risk. I think sharing decision is the only way to share responsibilities, mm -hmm. which I think is highly important. So I would say this is the most important thing for me is like to discuss each uh, investment together. So either it's financial or real estate or whatever, actually. Yeah. So it's not as if there's, he does like the long term and, and less you. So it's more like going to your own like specific knowledge, I would say. And do you see any difference between you and husband in terms of, I don't know, either taking ownership or in the risks that you're willing to take or even in the time spent? I would say we are both risk takers. So on this topic, we are quite similar. The time we spend on it will be equally as well as just different topics that will be more like looking for real estate and it will be more looking on financial products. But at the end, we will spend, I would say, the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. I would say even more for me because real estate is a bit of a pain sometimes for <laughs> to get the loan and everything. While investment products, once you know what you want to do, you just put the money and that's it. You let it run. So... No, I think it's the same. I think it will be, yeah, more or less the same amount of time. Okay, good balance. Really good. Mm. Do you have like any breaks or bias that, that might hold you back from a certain investment asset or any process about investing? Well, when I've started my career, putting it back in the context, it was just after the subprime crisis and we were entering the European debt crisis. So financial markets were very volatile, highly volatile at the time, like the Eurostox 50 were reaching step-by-step, step, lowest records. So for a novice investor, it was very impressive at the time. And plus, I did not have such uh, much savings. So however, I tried to invest a little bit of money in the market, buying at the lowest trying to sell back <laughs> once the market was higher. Mm -hmm. But it was like... First of all, very stressful. You have to constantly check the market. As a financial operator, I had a lot of paper to fill to report all the actions I was taking in. You have a lot of stacks on capital gains. And I feel it was too much of a hassle for the little rewards. So as soon as I could bought my primary residence, I did it. And I think it's still the best investment I ever made. So you know, this first experience, I'm missing that I should spend more time, you know, like in real estate than maybe than in finance when you're not ready to spend that much money and time. Mm -hmm. The other break, I would say, is except for my colleague at work and lately my husband, I felt like my personal bank account advisor, we know little about investment. So I didn't trust his quality of advice. Mm -hmm. So I had like no qualitative uh, really to help me in such decisions. I feel like now after all these years, I feel much more comfortable. But I think like has I got married after and my husband was the one like maybe more spending time on finance. I let him do it. But I think like now I will trust my own ability to do so. And I think it will be the second step as soon as I can build that savings again. Mm -hmm. So, so what would it be your second step, like in order to diversify from real estate or? Yeah, I want the second step would be to next time if when I have savings again, it would be not to do real estate again, but maybe to try to go on a financial uh, instrument again. 
mm-hmm. you know, try try to get like a better experience as the first experience that I had when I, I was starting in finance. So what would be your action plan then? Like, have you already think about it or? Well, I think like everything you do for, it's not the first time and I worked in finance, so I'm not like completely unaware of what's happening there. It's just like, it's so different from, you know, investment banking and your private investment. So I think I will start with like talking with as many friends, listening to podcasts like yours and having like as much as intake from friends or family to get my opinion to forge you know like a, a real opinion from myself and then confront a list of questions with some professional you know and then try to see what is the best advice I can take and the best instrument I feel comfortable with. Okay so really be surrounded have loads of questions and not being shy get empowered by the people around you. Exactly and I think it has to be it has to be your own decision at the end, but I think it's always good to have like uh, inputs from family and friends as well. For me, I think it's, it's important. It's reassuring. So it doesn't mean like you will agree or you will do it, but it's just reassuring to think like, or not. I mean, like sometimes people will say, oh, don't do this. And you will, you will still want to do it or at least to have a further, you know, look inside to see if it's right or not, you know? I'm not saying like I will do whatever people are telling me, but it's just I want to have my opinion forged as well on what my family and friends would say to me. Yeah, I'm the same as you. I mean, you always need like a <laughs> kind of someone that <laughs> agrees or at least confirm what you're thinking. It's really So I've left a few questions for the end, which are a bit more fun. So the first one is, who is a big spender or the thrifty in your couple? <laughs> My husband <laughs> is a big spender for sure. <laughs> and I have the thrifty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is no doubt about it. Okay. <laughs> Unexpectedly. Usually we always expect that this is a woman, but no, not in our couple. Yeah, but I like it when it's like the contrary to what people think. <laughs> we'll expect. Yeah. <laughs> So do you sometimes buy things that you or your partner like doesn't know about and vice versa? So do you have any funny story on this? Yeah, all the time. I I always buy stuff. I will buy stuff. I mean, like, I will usually buy stuff for the house or the baby. So that's fine. I feel not guilty. When it's for me, I always feel guilty. I don't know why. It's horrible. But (laughs) one day after my... um, my baby uh, girl birth, I passed by a mall in London and I entered it and I, I did my one of my first compulsive buy, you know, like I went and, and I didn't want it to buy a bag at all, but I <laughs> I ended up with a it's not a home bag and I came back home and I said to my husband, like, what I have done, I'm crazy to have spent so, such money on, on a bag. This is ridiculous. And I said, I have to go back and and take it back you know and say like no no enjoy it you you just get like nine months pregnancy you couldn't buy any clothes or anything so just keep it <laughs> and I felt guilty <laughs> but I like it I like this is one of my favorite bag now <laughs> okay <laughs> so I'm happy to have keep it <laughs> yeah, so sudden impulse but still worth it <laughs> <laughs> exactly and I know you're listening to a lot of podcasts so do you have any that you would recommend and why 
Well, I usually like to listen to entrepreneur stories. It's usually very inspiring on how they overcome tricky situations, always find a way to hold on to their goals, you know. So I like, in English, I like uh, How I Beat This from Guy Rice. It's usually American uh, startup, so it's quite inspiring too. I like in the same kind of subject, the Knowledge Project from Chain Parish. Because I am a feminist as well, <laughs> I think women are heroes. I love La Poudre from Lohan Bastille, but it's in French on me. Okay, cool. Sounds good. I don't know any of these three, so I definitely like have a look because I'm always looking for inspiration. <laughs> Sounds good. Cool. So thank you so much, Fadia, for these couple finances. I mean, it was super interested. I've learned a lot and I'm sure like a lot of people will recognize themselves with the same problematic, so same, yeah, pattern. So thanks for being transparent and honest. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you very much, Marika. <laughs> Speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. That's the end of this episode. I hope you are as enthusiastic as I am. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the words. And if you want to go further in mastering this beautiful adventure of owning your finances, please contact me on Instagram at moneychillout or on my website at maricafino.com. I offer workshops and coaching to guide you through. <laughs>